It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful links in the description on Linktree. This week's episode, The Yukon 1996 UFO Sighting. I'm thinking of ditching Twitter for Blue Sky, but they're not really public yet. I have to wait. But I guess everybody's leaving Twitter. Nobody likes it anymore. All right, this week's episode, the Yukon 1996 UFO sighting. This one was chosen by our wonderful people on Patreon, our Patreon supporters. We've got three tiers. The first tier gets you access, uh, early access and after hours. The next tier gets you bonus content. This week, it's Enron Part 2. We f- I finally wrangled Ether to record that. It's been I'm a while. I'm so sorry. I got this new <laughs> job and I'm... We recorded that yesterday. I haven't gotten a chance to um, edit and upload it yet, but that'll be out soon, maybe tomorrow or the next day. But it's recorded, it's in the bag, and it's ready to go. So yeah, and then the top tier, you get to vote on next week's topic. And this week, once again, we had a tie. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'll do the Yukon one this week, and I'll do the Montreal UFO next week. That were our two choices, and they, you know, that way both people or, you know, who voted or both parties or everybody who voted gets what they want, you know, since it was a tie. And let's be honest, you get what you want because you don't mind doing either one. No, they're both good cases. I'm less familiar with the Montreal case, but it still looks like a pretty good case. And That's also a Canadian case? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah, this is a Canadian case. And one of the reasons that, you know, this has been on the list for a while. I've been wanting to do it because it's a really good case. But we actually got... A um a coin from the Canadian Mint, and that's kind of what I was like. Yeah, you know what? Let's do this case because we have a coin for it now. You know, and it was uh, it was from the actual Canadian Mint, and we were doing. Remember, we did the Falcon Lake incident. Were you on that one, Ether? No, you weren't on that one. They had a coin for the Falcon. That. Yeah, they had a coin for that one, but it can't. It was a few years ago. I think it was 2018 or something that it came out, and it's gone up in value to like twelve hundred dollars. So I'm like, ah, I don't know, that's a bit much, you know, not really my thing, coin collecting. But this one was still, I got it still pretty close to its original price. So I decided to splurge and get one. It was like, I don't know, $100 or $110. They're but, pretty cool. You put them under yeah. a black light and then you can see like the UFO and like the beams oh, of no shit. light. Yeah, it's awesome. We're going to put it in a little box with a black light on. Yeah, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Um, and we got actually well, two. Well, hey, when you got a Rolex, I mean, it doesn't even make a oh dent. Oh my right? God, not the Rolex <laughs> thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I should do a bonus episode. On fake Rolexes. On fake Rolexes. Yeah. What, what ETA is talking about, <laughs> what he's referring to is I actually, when we were on the lockdowns, um, I went down this rabbit hole looking at fake watches. Like I'd heard of them before. Obviously, everybody's heard of fake watches, but I didn't realize just how much there was to it. Like there's this whole subculture of people who are into fake watches 
And a lot of the people who are into the fake watches, they actually own the real watches too. Like it's not because they can't afford it. It's just, it's this whole weird subculture that I maybe do an episode talking about it or something. But anyways, when we're on the lockdowns and I had literally nothing else to do, I sort of read up on it and learned a lot about it just out of curiosity. And I said, what the heck? I'll get myself one. So I got myself a fake Rolex and um, I didn't get it to flex or to pretend like I'm rich or anything like that. I just got it because I found the whole thing fascinating. Like it's a really, really good replica, like really good. So I just, I don't know. I just wanted one just out of curiosity, you know, so that's, I got one. And, um, sometimes I'll joke around, you know, if like, if agent ether is like, oh, I don't know if I should get another such and such. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I got a Rolex. Go ahead and buy it. All the time. <laughs> All the time. And I'll also ask him what time it is. What time is it? Agent Anderson. It is awesome o'clock. It's always awesome o'clock. And he never actually tells me the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's a, it is a very, very nice looking watch. But anyways, I think that might be a good bonus episode. Look quick little one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but there's some really, really cool stuff. And it also introduced me, like I had no idea how many luxury watches there are. There's a bunch. There are so many luxury watches and some of them go for just really crazy amounts of money. Like there's one that's pretty popular called Patek Philippe. And uh, those go for, depending on the model, you know, their 5711 goes for like, can go for $100,000 for a steel sports watch. And they have some rare models that go for millions just for a watch. It's crazy. Like I said, it's a fascinating world that I knew nothing about. And then I went down the rabbit hole and I just, you know, anyways, so let's maybe talk about that some other time, (laughs) but let's get to it. Uh, yeah. So we had two choices and those were based on the two coins I was able to procure from the Canadian mint. And, uh, it was a tie. So we're going to do the Yukon first. All right, let's start it off. The Yukon area in general has a strong history or a law, I should say long history of UFO sightings going back to who knows when, but there's a bunch in the area if you care to look for them. The- yeah, I read there's 293 reported by the, let's see, who is it? They have some sort of UFO research society up there, the Yukon UFO Research Society. And yeah. they've investigated oh, yeah. 293. And they said back to the 60s, and then they also had one case from the 30s. Okay, yeah. Well, it goes, it goes back even farther than that. Like, uh, the, like the indigenous peoples of that area uh, have a long tradition of, of describing, you know, people that, you know, or beings that came from the sky. They call them like sky people or cloud people and they would either manifest themselves like in a way where, uh, you know, it would be lights in the sky and they come down. And there's even stories of like, um, you know, these indigenous peoples being like, uh, abducted. brought to like different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, not, I don't know if abducted is, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that, but they were brought to like, even like, like different worlds and stuff. And yeah, like, uh, they, they describe these beings as, as, as like a very intelligent, very kind beings to, uh, traditionally, uh, from what I've heard. And like uh, they even like describe about like uh, when the beings would leave, they would be left with like a, a great sadness, you know, that they they miss them, you know. That like I guess they had a, a really they, they describe the interactions as being very positive, you know, very beneficial. Yeah, I I didn't read so much about that kind of stuff, but I have heard similar things before, so it doesn't surprise me that that would also be in this area. This kid, we're going to say something, Aging Ether. No. Okay, you looked like you were going to say something. I know. I'm so out of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm all right. I'm so tired. This particular case was investiba- invest- investigated, investigated by what? A, a gentleman <laughs> named, I don't know, dude, 
by a gentleman named Martin Jasek. He was he was investigating as a representative of UFO BC, and he's still with them. By the way, I looked at their website. According to the website, he is currently their treasurer, and I'm I'm guessing that's a UFO organization active in British Columbia. He also founded the UFO Yukon Research Society. That's probably better for looking at stuff in the Yukon than UFO BC, which is, you know, south of the Yukon, I'm guessing. Yeah, they have big know. conferences with lots of ufologists. Yeah. Oh man, I would love I would love it if this show took off to the point where we had a budget to actually go to these conferences and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. If yeah. I ever made a trip up there to the Yukon, to be quite honest, now this is, you know, completely off topic here, but every time I think of, like I hear the word Yukon, I think about the Yukon Gold Rush. Yeah, I've yep. always wanted to like go painting for gold in some of these like streams or rivers up there, you know? That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, oh, but, sorry to interrupt there. Oh no, it's okay. It's cool. I'm just um Ether looks like she keeps looking like she's about to say something. I was thinking about potatoes. Potatoes? <laughs> oh, Yukon. Yukon <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. Are they yummy? I, you know, we get different potatoes. They all taste the same to me, to be honest. I don't I don't not, know. Not not a sweet potato. No, not sweet potato. I'm talking about like russet potatoes and Yukon gold and whatever. There's, uh-huh. you know, we always put so much butter on them and stuff that you, they just all taste the same to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Um, banana says, ha potatoes. I love her. I'm guessing, I'm guessing he's talking about you. So <laughs> you have a new fan agent, Ether. <laughs> um, all right. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So this, this particular sighting is from 1996. This is probably or not probably, definitely the most well-known sighting from the Yukon area. And it's one of the better known sightings from Canada in general. Not, It's not like the best known sighting, but it's up there, I would say. It's it's a big one. Mm-hmm. It took place along the Klondike Highway in the Yukon Territory in Canada, as I've said. And that's north of British Columbia, which is, if you're not familiar with Canada at all, that would be north of Washington State on the west coast of the United States and east of Alaska. So it borders Alaska to the uh, to the west, and it borders British Columbia to the south. And it's, it's in there, and it's the second least populous territory in Canada. It's pretty sparsely populated. It's, uh, as of 2023, there were 44,238 people there, um, according to Wikipedia. So it's mostly wilderness, I imagine. And I saw some pictures and some film online when I was looking at this case. It's very pretty there, like really pretty. I would love to visit mm-hmm. sometime, you know, but a lot of Canada's are like that as well. A lot a lot of Canada's, did I say? Yes, you did. A lot of areas yeah. in Canada are like that. I, I'm kind of out of it too. We just, uh, we we keep getting sick, man. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's been been a while since I've been not sick, and it's just uh, I'm getting over the tail end of the last one, so I'm still a little out of it, unfortunately. So many Canada's, says Miz. <laughs> What's up, Miz? <laughs> um, all right, we're talking about an event that happened on December 11th in three main areas. That the areas in are uh, Fox Lake, the village of Carmax, and the village of Pelly Crossing. There were at least, well, according to this report that I was reading, there were at least 22 witnesses, but then it was updated to say that there were about 30 witnesses that were definitely identified. But also over the years, it seems like a few more have come forward, but those witnesses that we know about for sure 
That's these are witnesses that Ma- Martin was able to identify and speak to, you know, identify by name and you know verify that they're like real people, and he actually was able to talk to them, not just you know people who put an account online. And the people that he spoke with said that they saw other people who were looking at it as well, but they haven't come forward. So even though the number is somewhere around 30, the actual number of witnesses is almost certainly much higher than that. Now, you said one of the areas was CarMax? No. Yeah, well, C-A-R-M-A-C-K-S. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. That's the village of CarMax. So when I was listening to one of these interviews... It's it's said that this guy and his friend or cousin, somebody, when they saw the UFO, they were on their way to Carmack. And I thought they were on their way to Carmax <laughs> to trade in a car. Like it took me I thought the exact same <laughs> thing the first time I heard that. <laughs> I was like, huh, they want to trade in a car. They're on this super lonely long stretch of highway. It's like this cold, clear winter night. And they're driving down to trade in their car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the middle of the night. Did, um, did they even have CarMax back then? I don't think so. I don't know. And certainly not in Canada. Yeah, I don't think it's a Canadian uh, yeah. thing. I don't US think definitely thing. not in that area. I don't think it's that old. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I also wonder if that has um, if the Klondike Highway has anything to do with the uh, the dessert item. You know the Klondike, Klond- bar? Klondike bars, yeah. Remember oh, those? Yeah. Remember those commercials, oh. Agent Ether? Those are good ice creams. They're delicious. What would oh, you yeah. do for a Klondike bar? I would definitely witness UFO. That's for sure. I don't want to know what Agent oh, yeah. ETA would do. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd do a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for one of like the uh, the Heath bar ones. That's my that's my favorite. Oh, those are good. Yeah. You know, it's also good that you know a little bit of a tangent here, but we have. I don't know if they're everywhere. It says on the box that they're made in San Francisco, but they're called It's It. And they're like these ice cream cookie sandwiches. They're really good. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was good. They're also like about a million calories. So I try to avoid them because, you know, I ain't so young anymore. It's big. It's two big (laughs) cookies, like in a very thick thing of ice cream. When I was young, I could just eat whatever, but that's not the case anymore. No, it's those ones to, are good though because like the cookie yeah. to ice cream ratio is like, it's perfect. like they're big, but it's still good. You yeah, know, it's, it's, it's right on right on the point right there. You know, uh, yeah, they're delicious. Uh, we kind of lost you there, ETA. His his internet's been real spotty lately, so I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. You keep like uh, you guys keep on cutting out for me. Like I don't hear the whole conversation. Oh no, you know, that's terrible. Oh, that sucks. Well, I hear Ether just fine, so it must be your internet, ETA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'll, you know, but, um, you can blame um, it on me. <laughs> it has nothing to do with us being in the same room. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where was I? Um, cookies, Klondike bars. No, that's actually, that's not in my notes. <laughs> okay, so oh yeah, 22 witnesses, which has been expanded to uh, 30. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, on the website, they had a report that I wanted to order, but um, it, the website looks really old. It, that includes newer witnesses, apparently, that are not on the website. I don't know. I emailed them, and if it's available, I will buy one. It's only like 10 bucks or something. Well, but, there, was, there was also um, a UFO sighting in the same exact area in 2000. Oh, was there? So, like, this area, yeah. yeah, this area seems to be somewhat active, you know? I looked at a couple of older sightings I took brief notes on for this episode, but 
They have a bunch on this website I was looking at. Let's see. Let me get the web address for anybody curious. Um, let's see. It's ufobc.ca is one of them. They have a bunch of cool stuff. And I think actually, yeah, I think that's where it is. Um, yeah, here we go. And if you go to ufobc.ca forward slash Yukon forward slash index dot htm hashtag sightings. There's a whole list of sightings in, in the Yukon. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. I only had time to look at a few of them. And there's one that looks like I, I just did a brief look at it, but it looks like a pretty interesting sighting. I might end up doing a bonus episode on that as well, but you know, talk yeah, about that one. Definitely a, a hot spot of activity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. on, on that website, that's what I'm talking about. They have UFO BC special report. Number one, giant UFO in the Yukon territory by Martin Jassic, uh, M S C P E N G. I'm not sure what those abbreviations mean. Maybe his degree master or something. of science and engineering or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're probably right about that. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, on, fancy. on the website, it says to order, mail a check or money order for $12 Canadian or $12 US to the following address. And this includes shipping. I'm like, does it, anybody mails checks anymore? Like, has this been updated in the last 10, 15 years? So I emailed them to make sure that they still have copies. And if they do, I'll probably buy one just out of curiosity because there's apparently new stuff in there that wasn't in the original report. I thought report. he had a book. You could just get the book. Is there a book? I thought there was. I don't. I didn't see the book. Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, I don't know. You always just assume there's a book. You know what I mean? Somebody's yeah. investigating UFOs. You always just kind of assume there's a book too. There's always a book. There's always a book. But yeah, I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about it in this case. All right, yeah, but I was surprised on that website that there was no PayPal option or you know some sort of digital payment. You have to mail them a check <laughs> all the way to Canada. Hey, I'll do it though, man. I will mail the crap out of that check. I don't care. Is is it available on Amazon? I'll no, just, or I'll just buy. I'll buy it on Amazon. <laughs> I know, right? Makes it way easier. Actually, I didn't. I didn't check Amazon, but I mean, who knows? Maybe you could find it on there used or something. But I'm not sure. All right, so let's see here. Where was I? Oh yeah. So this Martin in, um, Martin interviewed all these people and put together a pretty good website where you can read all about the case, and it's on that website I just told you guys about. But when he interviewed people, most of them wanted to remain anonymous. There's only one witness that originally was willing to use their real name. And, you know, if you've listened to this show before, then you'll know that there's a reason for that. (laughs) People get ridiculed. Their kids get bullied. They lose their jobs. All kinds of weird stuff happens. And, you know, like I always say, it's, it's not like, it's not the witnesses who are being weird. It's that weird shit they're looking at that's being weird. So don't, don't blame them for it. It's not their fault. They're seeing weird stuff. Wrong place yeah, at the wrong time him. or whatever, you know? Oh, um, let's see. Banana's asking for the name of the website again, so I'll give it to you again. It's ufobc.ca. So that's ufo.bc.ca. And then if you want to go to the case summaries, uh, once again, it's ufobc.ca forward slash Yukon forward slash index dot htm hashtag sightings. And that'll take you to that list I was talking about. But you can navigate there pretty easily just from ufobc.ca. There's there's a bunch of stuff on that. Website looks awesome. I'm not familiar with it, but it looks like there's a ton of great stuff on there. But all right, let's see. Oh, yeah, so the witnesses wanted to remain anonymous. So in Martin's report, they're all referred to by the by a code name. 
based on where they had their sighting. I, I love these code names. Yeah. So, so much fun. So the ones that saw it next to Fox Lake are Fox 1, 2, 3, and so forth. And um, there, you know, the other the other ones are, let's see, where did I where did I notate that? I don't know. It's on here somewhere. Um, well, th- th- this was a, a one of those cases where the amount of people who claim to have, ex- you know, experienced this and seen the UFO were it was a very large area. I mean, it was it was I mean, multiple different communities, you know, that, that had seen this, you know, every, everywhere from from uh, in the area. There's a couple different areas called Dawson, Mayo, or Mayo. I don't know Watson Lake. Um, like it was, it was all over the place. There's a ton of people that I think there's, there's probably a lot more people, maybe twice as much that actually came out and said that they, they, you know, saw it. There's a lot of people that probably didn't even like, you know, come up and say that like, yeah, I I witnessed this, you know, they're probably just like, well, that was weird. I'm not going to talk about it because I'd rather not, you know, (laughs) like, uh, I mean, yeah, it was everywhere from, from Fox Lake to little Fox Lake to, uh, Pele crossing, I mean, it was it was all over the damn place. It was a very large area, actually, where where people were experiencing this. Yeah, and so I'm I'm going off of information from a report that was released in like I think 2000 or 2001. And the reason I chose to do that was because I find in general it's best to get as close to the event as possible because over time people forget or distort details stories change, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I try to get as close to the event as possible, but yeah, I think, I yeah. think as ETA saying, you know, and like I mentioned earlier, I think more witnesses did come out over time. So I think that yeah. that's, yeah, but I, I didn't look at more recent witnesses that have come out, but, um, that not to say that those witnesses are not valid. I just didn't look into that too much, but I did. Wa- I did watch a couple of videos when I was eating lunch. Other than that though, I stuck mostly to the 2000 report from Martin here. Mm-hmm. All right. So the general description of the UFO was that it was about the size of a football stadium. That's what most people reported it as. And in Canada, I, I wonder that I imagine that must mean like a uh, soccer, but either way, you know, soccer, football, baseball, whatever, they're all really big. The yeah. estimates that they have, they actually were able to estimate its size because we have multiple witnesses at multiple vantage points so they were able to triangulate it and they did have some of the witnesses were able to give them an angular size as well so that gave them the ability to give you know just a a a vague or a broad estimate on what the size could be that estimate is anywhere between half a mile to one and a half 1.1 miles long or 0.88 to 1.8 kilometers in length for those that of you. That is enormous. That is, yeah, that is mind-bogglingly large. So I looked up how big stadiums are, and that information is not readily available. So I went to Google Maps, and I found, you know, okay, how big is the uh, Crypto.com Arena, for example? That's in downtown Los Angeles, home to the Lakers, Clippers, and Kings. And that's about 0.18 kilometers across, or... If you measure like the little long bit that sticks out, that's about 0.6 kilometers. But um, if you just count the round part, then, you know, like the round stadium, then it's actually just 0.18 kilometers, which is quite a lot smaller than what they estimate the size of this thing to be. So I think it's just, it was so immense that in your mind, you're like, well, what is this? 
close to that I know of that I'm familiar with. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's around the size of a stadium. Yeah. It must have been shocking. Like yeah. to see something that big in the sky moving that slow also with all the lights and stuff. And it must have been shocking. Like uh, it just like hard to comprehend even. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, Banana is asking, what is BC? BC is British Columbia. That's, um, I'm guessing that's what the BC is, unless I referred to some other BC that I forgot what it is. I've been to British Columbia. <laughs> I have not. It's very pretty. Yeah, I, I would love to go sometime. I, I'd love to go to Canada in general. Looks, I mean, so many awesome places in Canada. <clears throat> Cold too, though. Let's go see there. Let's go there and see the Aurora. That'd be yeah. fun. Never oh, seen. Yeah. Them. Everyone else in the United States gets to see them, but us. I'm really annoyed. Yeah, I know, right? It says, you know, I'll see on the news. Ah, the Aurora seen as far south as Florida. I'm like, Florida? Well, it was raining what? last night, so really? Yeah, get to yeah, see they've it. been all <laughs> over. There's been a lot of like solar activity. So they've been popping up in weird places. Like they popped up just north of us. Yeah. Like recently, like in the last few weeks, like over in Cloverdale or something. Like pretty close, wow. like a few hours drive. Every time it's I didn't every time it's further south from us. I see on the news, you know, oh, Aurora's scene here last night. It was cloudy or raining or raining or both. <laughs> but it's yeah, like everywhere but where you are or, or yeah. the conditions don't allow you to see it. We're about an hour north of San Francisco. And that's uh, the, the Aurora's almost never come that far south. It's incredibly rare. So to have it happen, you know, I think twice this year that I've seen in the news is pretty unusual. But I don't know. Who knows? Huh. All right. So let's see. Let's get back to the case. All right. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I put that right there. So, yeah. So the, the Fox Lake witnesses are referred to as Fox 1, 2, and 3, etc. Pelly Crossing are referred to as Pell 1, 2, and 3. And CarMax as CRM. Not Doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. So maybe we'll just call them CarMax 1, 2, or 3, which sounds better. Uh-huh. All right, so several of the win- the really cool thing about this case is that several of the witnesses who were driving on the Klondike Highway actually all stopped at the same place, the Brayburn Lodge, and talked to the lodge owner, Steve Watson, which is really cool. And even though Steve Watson did not witness the UFO himself, that makes him a very important witness because he's able to say, okay, this person came in at this time and then this person came in at that time and this is what they told me and they drew these drawings or whatever. So we have a corroborating witness here to go in addition to the multiple witnesses and multiple witnesses, multiple independent witnesses, that's like the best thing you could possibly have in a UFO sighting because it pretty much entirely rules out the possibility that the witnesses are hoaxing the event. It doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a hoax of some kind. It just means that the witnesses themselves are not hoaxing it because you have all of these people who never met before. The the chances of them corroborating are essentially zero. You know, it's just not going to happen. So that's why this is such a great case. All right, well, let's get into it. I have a basic timeline here. I'm not going to go into too much depth of like all of the witness statements because there's a ton of them and we don't really have time for that in this episode. Maybe I'll get to it at some point later. I don't know. But uh, like in a bonus episode or something, I don't know. We'll see. But here's basically what happened. So Fox One was driving along Fox Lake at about 8 p.m. He noticed a light in the distance that 
wasn't supposed to be there. And like I said, this is a pretty remote area. Well, I don't know if remote's the correct word because Fox Lake is a tourist hotspot, but there's not a whole lot there. There's no big giant cities. There's no skyscrapers. You know, there's not a ton of airplanes flying through. There's, it's, it's a lot of wilderness, you know? So Fox one's driving through and he sees lights in the distance that there's not supposed to be lights there, right? Like a bunch of lights. As he got closer, he noticed that it was actually an object that the lights were sort of connected to. And he could see that it was sort of uh, smooth and round. Yeah. I can't talk tonight. Jeez. <laughs> it's the beer. Uh, it's yeah. Right. This 10th of a beer that I've had. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he says that some traffic passed by and the bright lights temporarily blinded him. And when his eyes readjusted, the lights were gone, but he did see a rectangular group of lights off to the East moving over a hill. He sped up. Well, they moved over the hill and disappeared. He sped up and tried to catch the objects or lights or whatever, but was unable to see them again. He drove on and stopped off at the Brayburn lodge where he told Steve what he had seen. And he also made some drawings of the event. Also, by the way, on that website that I mentioned earlier, you can see, I think all of the sketches and everything that the witnesses were able to provide, they're all on there mm -hmm. and they're all pretty fascinating. Maybe talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Eth so e the Agent witness Ethan. later came forward um, in an interview and his name was Danny Skokum. Oh, okay. And he compared the whole experience to something out of Star Trek. So I bet. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, just could you just imagine just standing there and seeing something like that flying overhead? You know, it's just, it's crazy. We're not talking about like a little weird looking airplane or something. We're talking about something a mile across. That is insane. I can't even imagine a mile across. Dang. All right. Uh, so the next witnesses we have are Fox two and three. They were driving together in two separate cars. And I think these actually came forward. These two witnesses came forward later as well. Maybe you can mention that in a second agent either, but they were driving from Whitehorse to Carmax. They both saw a huge UFO flying over Fox Lake to the west of the highway. They both pulled over their vehicles and stopped, but they did so. They were a little, I think, 1,800 feet apart or something like that. So they stopped at like different points. And that's actually, you know, really useful for triangulating things as well because they weren't both at the exact same spot. But they stopped their vehicles and they got out and watched the thing. And as it drifted, it moved or moved slowly. It went directly overhead Fox 2, like right overhead. Fox 3 saw this from the distance, but was apparently too afraid to approach Fox 2 and see what was going on over there. He stayed at a distance as it passed overhead. It moved slowly over to the east and disappeared behind a hill. Fox 3 noted that the time was 8.30 at the end of the sighting. Um, a lot of these witnesses, it's they don't have necessarily an exact time frame, like it took 15 minutes or three minutes or whatever, because I think they were all in a state of like shock or, or awe or something, you know, it just... Oh, yeah. Like, I would be. Yeah. It's hard for the... Imagine you're in that situation. It's hard to estimate the time exactly, you know? Yeah, well, you're not necessarily going to think about like, oh, I need to look at the, at the at the clock there to see what time it is. You're just like stuck stuck in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, yeah, if I saw something like that, I wouldn't be worried about the time, you know? Right. Yeah. It's not going to be something you're concerned about. All right. While they were having their sighting, Fox four and five were approaching the Southern tip of Fox Lake while Fox, you know, while Fox two and three were, were also seeing the object. The object was heading north and they saw huge, or they were heading north and they saw huge rows of lights moving slowly across the lake. At first, they thought that it might be a Boeing 747 crash landing or something. But That then was they, actually several witnesses yeah, thought several, it was a plane crashing, right. maybe because of how big it was. Yeah. Yeah. And they realized, though, that it was moving way too slow to be any sort of airplane, you know, crashing or anything. And then they realized it dawned on them that it was a UFO. They dun, wa- dun, yeah. Dun. <laughs> yeah. As they were watching it move behind a hill, and Fox 5 looked at the car clock and it read 8.23. Now, you might wonder why there's a seven-minute discrepancy, but I think it's plausible that the car clocks could be off by seven minutes from each other, or they just looked at the clocks at different times, you know? But yeah, well, and I, I don't think all, all like uh, car clocks are not, they're not all uh, made the same. You know what I mean? I can tell you that for sure, um, the car clock in, in my car that I have, I have a Corolla, uh, you know, for the gas mileage and stuff. It's, you know, there's nothing fancy about it. It doesn't even have cruise control. But anyways, um, I've reset that clock uh, a couple times just in the last like, like two to three years. And it definitely, uh, for whatever reason, it, uh, you would think it would stay on time, right? Because it's a digital clock, but it definitely does not. You know, like uh, it, uh, like it'll be like right now, for example, it's like three minutes slower than like uh, the the clock on my phone. Like it, it's just it's it's off. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it gets off, and I'm not sure exactly why, but it is what it is, right? So they're they're not all uh, very accurate necessarily, right? Yeah, yeah, it just depends on the make and stuff, but. Um, yeah, Banana says, I hope you do realize that UFO means unidentified flying object, not aliens. Ah, tomato, tomato, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, but yeah, some watches, the accuracy does very, very, and you know, it's, it's ironic that, uh, we, you know, we mentioned earlier, we talked about Rolexes. So a real Rolex, the real version of what I have retails for about $10,000 and, um, you can't get it for that though. It's they always sell out apparently. So you have to buy it on the gray market or the secondary market for $15,000 and it's less accurate than a $10 Casio because <laughs> it just, it's a mechanical watch, you know, it, it runs off of springs uh-huh. and gears and stuff. So it can be off by five or 10 seconds a day. Whereas a Casio is going to be off by five or 10 seconds every, I don't know, thousand years or something there. It's a quartz watch, not a Casio quartz watch. Yeah. I, I got a pretty sweet Casio. I know. I got the same one. You can spell boobs on it. It's pretty cool. Oh, no. Not the calculator watch. <laughs> yeah, the calculator yes, watch. Yes. Yes. It's classic. <laughs> it is. It's pretty awesome. I love it. It's cool. You know, it doesn't have to be worth a ton of money to be pretty cool watch. You know, at least Every for, time I wear it, I feel like I'm like like in the early 90s. I know, know right? <laughs> I mean, those things are so cool. You're like, hey, my watch has a calculator on it, guys. Well, you can <laughs> cheat in math, math class, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just hide it behind your desk or something, or underneath your desk. Mm-hmm. All right. So they let's see those. Uh, what we were on Fox's Fox four and five, and they were as they were watching it, it moved behind a hill and disappeared. And oh yeah, I already said that part. Never mind. So yeah, those witnesses and none of the witnesses actually, none of the witnesses at all, uh, any of them 
heard any sound from the object at all, at least not that I could find. So Fox 4 and 5 started driving again, and a few minutes later, they came across Fox 2 and 3, who were pulled over at the side of the road, having a conversation. Like, they were, I guess, heated discussion, or they were really excited about what they had just seen. So Fox 4 and 5 talked to them for a bit, and then they left again and stopped at the Brayburn Lodge just as Fox 1 was leaving. And they spoke to Steve and told them their story. And Steve said, oh, you probably saw the same thing that Fox 1 saw. 2 and 3 eventually made their way to the lodge as well and also told Steve what they had seen. Now there was another witness, Fox 6, who was also driving along the lake. She saw a glow on her dashboard and looked up to see what was causing it. It was directly overhead and it, you know she saw this weird glow in her car and couldn't tell what it was from. So she leaned forward and looked up and she saw the UFO overhead, directly overhead. She looked up and saw a large arrangement of multicolored lights above her. As it passed overhead, her car's interior lights dimmed and the music from her tape player slowed down. That's creepy. I love that detail. That's that's just like yeah. Just imagine that. You know the the interior sounds of your like car, a scene. It, it, it sounds yeah. like a scene out of a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Sounds like some X Files stuff going on. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, yeah the lights dim and the music just goes. Drew, 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 you know, and I don't know who's singing. It's this is this is the nineties, right? So who's who was hot in the nineties? Britney, Nirvana, Britney Spears. You know, so. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe she was listening to Britney Spears, you know, oops, <laughs> I did it again kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you guys, hey, you guys showed up for UConn. You never imagined in a million years I'd be singing Britney Spears, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, that's all the lyrics I know from that song, though. So that's all you're going to get. <laughs> Agent Ether, do you know more lyrics from that? I've uh, played with your heart. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not so innocent or yeah. something. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, we did an episode, or I did an episode on Britney Spears. I did not. That was before my time. I told I told ET, I'm like, ETA, I'm doing an episode on Britney Spears. He's like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. All right. That's cool. That's a cool story, dude. He's like, I'll catch you next week. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's cool. It was was a good episode, though, I thought. Um, All right. So it passed overhead. And uh, yeah, and that that was her story is a lot shorter at least the summary of that than the other ones. But all right. So do you have any more information on any of the Fox witnesses that you'd like to share? I do. So I was watching this YouTube video and it was an interview with Fox 2. Okay. But it was a blurred video and they had the voice distorted. All right. And for some reason, the whole interview, he's in his truck and he's driving and they're doing the interview while he's driving his truck. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. And it turns out Fox 3 is actually his cousin. Right. So they yeah. were driving together down the by the lake on the highway. And he said that it was easily the size of a football field. It was super big. He looked underneath and on the sides, and they looked like there were like windows, like windows that were lit up in several stories. He tried his two-way radio, but it didn't work. He just got static. So he told his cousin to look for their disposable camera that they had in their truck, but he couldn't find it. And by the time he did find it, the UFO had disappeared. I saw another account um, that I thought it was Fox 2. I thought it was actually Fox 3 that tried that got a camera, but the camera wouldn't work and malfunctioned. Maybe that was it. Yeah, disposable but, camera. But that's, again, that's why like, 
that's an example of why I like to stick as close to the original witness statements as possible because right. the further out you get, the more discrepancies you find. You know? So in this interview, <laughs> though, he talked about all kinds of reasons why people wouldn't come forward. And he mentioned he thought he knew some people who weren't going to come forward because they were in the reserves and they were worried they'd get kicked out. Right. I mean, there are wow. real consequences to this stuff, you know? Yeah. People don't want to talk about it unless you're a weirdo like me, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. All right. What else did you have for us on the, the Fox witnesses? You're, nope. That's it. You're giving me a look there and that's flipping it. your pages. That's it. Just flipping my page. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get to... Ready to move on? All right. Well, let's get to the village of Pelly Crossing. This is about a two-hour drive north of Fox Lake. And these witnesses all reported what they saw between 8.30 and 9 p.m. Pelly's tiny. It has like 300 people in it. Wow, that is tiny. Yeah, it's uh, 80% of the people are First Nation, and they have a lot of jobs in government, and their economy is based on fishing and trapping, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Okay. Well, it's, a, it's strange you mentioned that because Pell 1 was actually tending a trap line northeast of Pelly. <laughs> No, I know about yeah. that. And that witness also came forward. That's Don Trudeau. Okay, cool. So he saw a long row of lights slowly moving over the hills to the southwest. At first, he thought it was an aircraft coming down. Again, another witness, you know, thought that. But it was going too slow. He realized it was going too slow to be an aircraft. As he was walking, his flashlight happened to point in the direction of the UFO. As if reacting to the flashlight, the UFO sped towards him really quickly. He cupped a hand over the front of his flashlight just instinctively, and the UFO stopped rushing towards him and hovered. Now, it was in the distance. It, again, it's really hard to say how far these things are. There's no reference in the sky, and you don't know how big it is. So you don't, you don't know how far away it is, but it, was, it started off far away. But in just under a second that his light had touched the UFO... It had approached to within 300 yards or 275 meters and hovered there. He, he had to turn. It said he had to turn his head from left to right to see the entire craft. <laughs> That's a big boy or a chonky boy, as Agent Egg would say, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, or, or a big bitch, as maybe Agent ETA would say. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge bitch. <laughs> yeah, um, dude. Just just imagine. I mean, that description and, and you know a lot of the the descriptions from uh, these people that, that they witnessed the, this UFO event. They they describe the the in, enormous size of this vehicle or whatever. You know, like it, it's in that one in particular. What you just described is like, dude. This this thing must have been. I, I mean, it's 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 hard to even fathom how big it was. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's why a lot of people like what we we're talking about. At first, they tried to like rationalize it in their mind. You know what I mean? Like, oh, is this like a a large jet plane, or is like what the hell is this? You know, it, it's just, it, like at first, at first glance, for sure, it it must not have made sense to anybody who experienced it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. As what the holy hell? So as he was watching it, a beam of light swept the ground underneath of the object. Then the UFO started to drift towards his right. As it did, he noticed other beams of light, greenish phosphorescent beams. One sh uh, shined out of the right of the craft and two beams to the left that slowly rotated to a horizontal position. 
And these were very easy to see because there were ice crystals floating in the air. So the beams were very, very clear to the eye. It was cold. Yeah, friggin' cold. Winter day. Right. There's, I don't know if the entirety of the sightings were like this, but there are some parts of this area where it's so far north that during parts of the summer, like the sun, it sets a little bit, but it's like daylight 24 hours a day kind of a thing. Like Uh it's really far up there, really far north. All right. So let's see, where were we? He turned away to run across a small clearing. And when he looked back, the UFO was gone. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's one of these UFO things where it can move very quickly as, well, he saw it move very quickly, but I'm guessing that, you know, he turned and ran and then it just, it just zoomed away somewhere. Yeah. Later he said, I'm not quite sure why I covered the light. Cause maybe I could have gone on up there. Yeah. It was just instinct. He said, but. yeah, just instinct. Now he says, he claims, I don't know if I believe this, that he went home and his whole family was watching that movie Independence Day. Yeah. Right at the scene oh, yeah. where the UFO blows up the white house. Nice. That's what he says. That's what he says. And he told his whole family about it, including his grandkids. And they didn't want to go outside like at all for like a whole week after he described wow. the experience to them. Wow. That's, I wonder if, I wonder if they get, oh, whoops. That is our cryptid alarm. I wonder if in Canada, they get the movies a little quicker because that Independence Day came out, I thought in the summer of 96. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm just reading from yeah. the witness statement. Like I said, that sounded a little, uh, little embellished to me. Yeah, I was like, I, I, well, I'm, I'm wondering if I don't know if it would have been on TV yet at that point because mm-hmm. it didn't, because they don't, it doesn't go straight to TV. It goes, you know, if it's in the back, theater. Well, back in those days, you still had like a massive DVD cells. You know, right? Yeah, like like a movie would make a quite a bit of money. Well, uh, you go with the, the DVD cells. You go give the cryptids their meds, and I'll look. Okay, you check that out. All right. I'm going to check and see when the film came out. <laughs> Cryptid break. I'll be right back. Let me see. All right. One. Uh-huh. Password, password, password. Uh, when did Independence Day movie come Are you looking it up? Out? I am. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. July 2nd, 96. So it, it could have been out. It could have been out, right? Because this was in what? December. December. Yeah. Huh. I mean, that that still would have been pretty fast, though, for that movie to come out. Like, and maybe they were watching it on DVD or something like that. You know. I know. I'm trying to figure out when it came out on DVD. Let's see. DVD release dates. Well, I, th- I think, wasn't it, you know, there's another kind of a funny story as like a, one, of the, one of the other uh, witnesses to this event was a family, right? A mother, father, and I think they had three children, I believe. In, yeah, in the yeah. And they actually, like the children were like, because it was around December, the, the children was like, oh, is that Santa Claus? It must be Santa Claus, right? And like, <laughs> sounds to me Parents like Parents are uh, like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, like. They probably, I mean, I don't know, like to me, like if I would recognize, like if I was experiencing this and like, I, I, you know, I thought it was a UFO, I Uh I would probably just be like, yeah, yeah, that's Santa Claus. Don't worry about it, kitties. (laughs) Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about it unless we get abducted. But, you know, that's kind of funny about the, uh, the, the guy that experienced it. He fly, he, uh, 
uh, turned his flashlight towards the, the object and it came towards him. Immediately, yeah. it seems like it recognized like the light source, you know, and, and came to investigate or something. But as soon as he turned it off or turned it down, covered his hand over it or something like that, um, I think that was probably a pretty good instinct to have, you know, because uh, that might have saved you <laughs> from being abducted. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I. It, it may not be this kind of a you know, a UFO experience, but who who knows what why they were there, what what this craft was, and and what it was about, you know. Who knows, right? But uh, it's. Uh, I think. It's, I think. I would hope. I would do the same thing if I was in that situation. As soon as like like that craft starts coming towards you, you're like, oh nope, 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 <laughs> hell no, no. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna turn this flashlight off because I don't want no part of that. Not like a, a close up encounter. I, I wouldn't mind seeing something from afar. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I definitely don't want to have an up close encounter. I guess you know that would freak me the hell out. Uh, you know, it's I don't know how I deal with that. Oh yeah, I just I just only heard half of that, but yeah, you you don't know what kind of which kind of encounter you're going to get. Okay, you know? I found it November twenty second. It came out on DVD of ninety six. Okay, so yeah, but it wouldn't have been on TV by then. But they could have been watching it certified VHS on. So it came out wait November twenty second. Yes. All right. Huh. So this. This was December 11th, I think. Yeah. So they could have bought it on DVD and been watching it. So that is absolutely plausible. This is VHS. THX. That would have been really VHS. fast, though, because you remember like THX movies, like, just like the like sound when, thing. When they're, yeah. when they're in like the movie theater, it still took some time for like a DVD to come out, you know? So may, maybe, maybe, but it would have been like the first, uh, you know, group of DVDs that was available there, I think, you know, if, if it was. That's pretty cool, though. So at least the yeah. timing works out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it checks out. We know that, you know, it's possible. All right. So our next witnesses that I have are Pell 2 and 3. They were driving north just south of Pelly Crossing, and they saw a huge row of lights to the north moving left to right. They pulled over at a gravel pit and got out of their vehicle to get a better look. Pell 2 noticed the Big Dipper was just above the row of lights. And... They noted that the row of lights was about the same length as the Big Dipper. <laughs> that's crazy. Go outside and look at the Big Dipper and tell me that that's like a reasonable size for a UFO. Because that, that's completely unreasonable. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, Huge. Yeah. But this is actually yes. a very important witness description because this gives us an angular size for the UFO. And they can use that and combine it with other vantage points to get your estimated size. Because, you know, otherwise we don't know if it's, you know, a, a smaller object that's closer or a bigger object that's further away or whatever. But if we have different vantage points, they can triangulate that. There's a write-up on that website. They, they write up how they um, determine that and their calculations and stuff. But I didn't go into that too much because it's probably a, a bit much for this show. Other than that, I'll just say that, you know, I believe that their math is probably close enough based on what the witnesses said, you know, no, math is not my thing anyway. So <laughs> I could read what they say. That doesn't mean I understand it. All right. So the row of lights, uh, oh no, I read it. Okay. So this gives us the approximate size. Yeah, I read that. So Pell four, five, six, and seven were the other witnesses in the area these were four women taking a class at a community college in Pelly Crossing, and they were on a break from their class. They were looking west when they saw the large row of lights, 
Again, they didn't hear any sound, and it moved slowly over a hill and disappeared. So that one is less spectacular than some of the other witness statements, but um, this gives us another vantage point and another, you know, another point of view, another data point and triangulation and all that good stuff. Now, Pell, too, was actually Jean von Bieber, and she was driving with her brother, who's the other witness. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just said, holy shit, Gene. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. And she said, you know, they were surprised, they were excited, they were scared. And she asked her brother what he thought it was all about, and he thought it was us in the future coming back to see ourselves. That's a really common theory. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And she said she was unhappy because even though there was a brief story that was on the radio, they never got any answers from right. anyone. It was never really investigated. The government didn't say anything. So they have all these witnesses. She said she knew there were a lot of people who saw it, but they were never given any answers. Hmm. Well, I don't think the government had any answers, you know? Still, I think <laughs> I think she wanted some sort of validation. Right. what she was looking for, you know, and she didn't come out for a long time because she didn't feel like she could. She didn't feel safe because... There was nothing out there that was, you know, going to support her, even though other people were corroborating her story. Yeah. Such a weird thing, man, that you could, you could, your whole life could be changed just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time and seeing something weird in the sky. Pretty crazy. All right. Let's get to our favorite location, the village of Carmax. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. Um, There were nine witnesses in two different groups in the village of Carmax. Oh, I should, this is out of order. I should have done this one first. But anyways, these witnesses, uh, or at least the first four, were in a pickup truck, and they saw it around 7 p.m. So this is witnesses CRM 1 to 4. They were, uh, they were just south of Carmax driving, and they saw the lights and pulled over near a landfill at the southern edge of town. And as they watched the UFO, it moved slowly to the northeast. And again, once again, it was completely silent. As it passed behind a hill, the lights were blocked by the hill, and they said that it took a long time for all of the lights to come back from behind the hill. And this, you know, just another data point. So it, it just verifies that the, the thing was moving very, very slowly. The, they estimated that the object was 60 to 90 degrees uh, angular size in the sky. That's a lot, guys. 60 to 90 Angular degrees. Just for reference, the moon is, let me see, moon angular size. I tell you what, it's not anywhere near 60 degrees. Um, let's see. Three surface, lunar presence. Let's see. It's a, uh, oh, moon's angular size. All right. So the angular size of the moon. Um, let's see. Introduction. I just want the answer, guys. Come on. The moon's angular size is the apparent size of the moon as seen from Earth that is usually measured in arc minutes, which is one sixtieth of a degree. The average angular size of the moon is 31 arc minutes. However, the size of the moon can range from 29.3 to 34 arc minutes. So that's a sixth, that's 34, so half of a degree. The moon is like half a degree. So we're talking 60 to 90. We're talking many times the size of the moon. We're talking about something that's going to be like horizon to horizon type stuff. Very, very large. 
As the object moved, it curved around towards the south and flew through a valley adjacent to where they said the microwave tower south of the village was, and they said it seemed to just vanish. So I wonder if it was moving slowly and then it just sped away so quickly that it looked like it vanished, or maybe it went behind something, but they said that where where it vanished, there was nothing there for it to go behind, like no hills or anything like that. Now, did they mean the lights just turned off or they could see it easily and then it was gone? It was there and then it was gone. So maybe the lights turned off. Maybe, who knows? That's just what they said. It was just gone. But yeah, the lights could have turned off. Anything's possible. These witnesses saw a news report about the Fox Lake sighting the next day, and they figured that they had seen the same thing. The next witnesses, CRM 5 through 9, were a husband, wife, and three kids watching TV at home when they saw the UFO out of their window. They're not sure what time it was, just that it was in the evening. They saw the lights to the northwest moving to the northeast just over the tree line. It was totally silent again. They disappeared one at a time as if they were going behind something, but again, there was nothing in that direction that they could go behind. So that's kind of a strange detail. They were detail. little kids too. I read they were all under the age of six. Yeah, I read that a couple of the little kids thought that it was Santa Claus because it was Christmas time soon, you know? So cute. <laughs> it was pretty dang cute, yeah. Mommy, Daddy, is that Santa Claus? And the parents were probably like, uh, uh yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I remember when our kids were little, um, my oldest was, <laughs> it's funny because we didn't really celebrate Christmas for a very long time. And one year he's like, I want to celebrate Christmas. And we're like, fine. And then he was really upset because Santa didn't bring him any presents. And I'm like, well, you know, we don't really celebrate Christmas. And he goes, well, Santa should bring me presents. So then the next year, we're like, okay, Santa will bring you presents. And then he wanted to see that Santa Claus was real. So they have this thing on YouTube, like this video, where you can see Santa Claus coming down the chimney, like in <laughs> real time, like somebody's home video. And I was like, see, there he is in this person's home delivering presents. And he's like... Okay, Santa Claus is real. Santa <laughs> Claus fun. is going to bring me presents. Yeah, but then the next year when I put the NORAD on for them, the, you know, the NORAD Santa tracker, they're like, this shit's fake. Yeah, pretty. It was, <laughs> it was a strange time in their lives. Yeah. Let's get back to the Yukon sightings. So the last thing I have for this particular one is that the CBC North Radio also gave reports of sightings in Dawson, Mayo, Watson Lake, but no witnesses came forward from these areas, at least not as of this report. And the, I think it was in 2000 or 2001 or something. So that's, that's what I have. That's like a really brief overview of the Yukon sighting. That's like the best I can do in an hour, <laughs> but there's quite a lot more to this case. There's oh, maps, yeah. there's maps of the, the UFO, the paths that are traveled. There's lots of sketches from the witnesses, there's uh, more, much more detailed witness statements that you can go find on that website. There's a ton of great stuff that, you know, really only just scratching the surface on this one. But before we get going, I also wanted to talk about a couple of other sightings from the area, just kind of for fun, you know, just to mention a few other things that happened around the area. So this one was also from 96, but from July or August 96. They're not 100% sure about the date because they reported it many years after the fact. 
And the, the name of the report on the website is Man and Puppy Startled by Sound and Fast Moving Light. This one happened in Riverdale, Whitehorse area of Yukon. It happened at uh, 3 a.m. The witness got up to let their puppy outside to tinkle, and he heard a strange rumbling sound similar to several semi-trailers driving by. But this is strange because there's no highways or anything anywhere near there where you would find a semi-trailer or a semi-truck. And those big guys, they don't just, you know, drive willy-nilly everywhere. They stick to the highways, you know, because they got to get from point A to point B. So there's, there's no possibility or very little possibility that it could be trucks. Suddenly, a bright light rose up from the ground several miles away, like in the distance, sort of on the horizon. And it, it rose up, it stopped for a moment, and then it shot away. The sound stopped when the light disappeared. The puppy had been terrified by the whole thing and tried to run back inside, but unfortunately bumped into the sliding glass door. Oh, no. <laughs> it was apparently four, four months old. That's how old the puppy was. So just a little tiny guy. Uh, and, and the witness said that the puppy was shivering and terrified for about an hour after the event. Oh, well, poor little puppy. But it was just a light after all, and the puppy survived. So no harm, no foul, I guess. All right, another one from late July 1996. Giant UFO over the Yukon Gold Fields. Two sisters. This is the one I want to do more in depth on because this one, like, there's it, it gets pretty weird. But, anyways, two sisters were driving on the road and they reached the intersection of the Klondike Highway and Dempster Highway. They pulled into a gas station five minutes before midnight. And we have this reference because as they pulled in, the person in the gas station said, oh, you're lucky you just made it. We're closing in five minutes because we close at midnight. And this is after a long trip. They've been driving five hours or so. So they went to the station, did their thing, whatever it was they did there. And then they drove on. As they were driving, they're driving in some mountainous areas. And as they drove, they saw a cigar-shaped object come over a ridge to their left. But the way I read it, the, the cigar-shaped object wasn't actually moving. It was stationary, but it's just because the way they were driving, it sort of revealed it over the ridge as they drove. The object had a row of rectangular windows along its side, and it was just sitting there, motionless in the sky at a slight angle. And that's more or less what they saw. But one of the women's watches stopped at 1.50 a.m., and it gets a little weirder, like some possible missing time and some other stuff like that. So this one, like, I don't have time to go into it right now, but I definitely want to dive into this one a little deeper at some point because it looks really interesting. All right. And then the last one I have is from 1969. Witnesses in Porter Creek saw a UFO flying in front of Heckle Hill and, and it descended into the valley below. Patricia English saw it at the house of Jerry Bubiak. She called to him and four children to come and look, and the object was visible for about three or four minutes before it disappeared. Here's a quote. It was oblong in shape and seemed to be glowing orange. It had a bubble on top with visible partitions and three or four leg-like protrusions on the bottom. There were also oh, other wow. witnesses who saw it. Mary McDonald and a youngster, it didn't say in the article who the youngster was, just Mary McDonald and a youngster, watched it for several seconds. She called the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and said it looked like a burning helicopter. The local airport was contacted and said there was nothing in the air at the time, 
A weather balloon had been sent up at about 9 p.m., but was only visible for about 10 minutes. And probably not on fire. No, and the winds would have pushed the balloon to the McRae area by the time of the sighting. And this sighting had about eight witnesses total. So that's pretty much all I have. Um, there, we usually, well, not some, not usually, sometimes we'll talk about like possible explanations, I guess, something that's not extraterrestrial. The most prominent skeptical explanation that I could find was that there was, I think it was a satellite. I didn't, I didn't take notes, but I read about this before. I just forgot to take notes on this, but a satellite broke up in the sky or, you know, came from orbit, came down and made a mess in the sky, I guess, around this time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, <laughs> but the problem I have with that is that we have, we have witnesses from seven o'clock all the way <laughs> to like 9 PM. Right. And it's hard for me to believe that you would have a, uh, a satellite breaking up for two hours in the sky. I just don't buy it. And if you also, if you read the witness statements, it was something, it could have been a lot of things, but what the witnesses described bears zero re resemblance to something breaking up in the sky to like a, a satellite breaking up in the sky. I think I've looked up a video before where somebody recorded something like that and it can look pretty weird. It can look like a UFO for sure. But in this specific case, if you look at what the witnesses said, I, I'm, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any chance that it could have been a satellite breaking up. Um, and another, another idea that struck me was if it's going to be like a terrestrial vehicle, it could be, some sort of experimental troop transport or a giant dirigible. Um, I, I talked about this on our, um, on our Phoenix lights episode before, but there is some evidence. Well, we know for a fact that our government did research dirigibles for troop troop transport, whether or not they build one, I couldn't find if they did, it's still classified and I was not able to find it, but I think it's possible that they do have a giant transport ship that they could use to transport, you know, a battalion of troops or something. I don't know. I think that's huh. a plausible explanation, but for them to have one that's a mile across, that seems, a, I don't know, it seems a little ridiculous. I'm not really seeing that part of it, but in general, I think it's maybe possible that it could be some kind of dirigible. I don't know. What do you guys think? Dirigible? Yeah, I just find it really unlikely. I would lean yeah. more towards mass hysteria. And I think that's also unlikely. So, yeah. Well, how do you have mass hysteria when these people didn't have any contact with each other whatsoever until after the fact, right? They all went to the lodge. So they obviously all were on LSD. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. It was the government. <laughs> the government actually released like in the atmosphere, like a, a airborne LSD, you know, uh, chemical. And that, that that's what caused. From the contrails. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. From the, yeah. From oh, yeah. the chemtrails. From the chemtrails, not the contrails. Of the crashing Boeing 747. Yeah, whichever completely different things. Yeah, the Boeing 747 that crashed was carrying a payload of LSD that dispersed in the area, causing hallucinations. I like it. Yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> we figured yeah. it out, guys. We solved it. <laughs> All right. Sounds it's like nice. fun. It's nice to solve one once in a while, you know? <laughs> 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 the Yukon siding was LSD. All right. Did you have any other notes on anything, Agent Ether? No, that was everything. All right. Pretty sweet. Agent ETA, any final thoughts? 
I think the, that this event was something that definitely happened. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be kind of general about it, but I think that these people were telling the truth. Uh, there's enough people out there uh, that had experienced this, and uh, they were all separated, and they weren't connected, you know, uh, to say the same thing twice in one statement. But, like, uh, it seems like something definitely happened here. And whatever whatever did happen, it was an event that affected a lot of people, and a lot of people over a wide span of land. You know what I mean? So I believe that uh, this wasn't, in, uh, you know, an alien vehicle. I mean, whether I mean, who knows? Who knows whether like like uh, our government or any other governments are capable of uh, not just like making a vehicle like this, producing a vehicle like this. Maybe it's a vehicle that was you know found and then you know reverse uh, engineered. To, you know, we reverse engineer. We, we, you know, we we found out how to fly this vehicle or something like that. But I think it's more likely that this was a uh, these were aliens that like because the the description that you hear of this vehicle, the the speed at which it was traveling, right, the size of the vehicle, and the consistency with with all the people who experienced this, it doesn't fit the script for any vehicle or any technology that we know of at least you know what i mean so yeah that's a good point actually yeah if it was a dirigible it wouldn't be able to move as quickly as some of the witnesses described it as moving that's a good point yeah well it was slow and quick at certain times right so yeah like it's just it's one of those things it was a nuclear dirigible so that didn't that didn't have to follow the laws of physics that's right is it is it dirigible or dirigible? What? How do you pronounce it's, that word? It's aluminium. It's the floaty thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> aluminum, <laughs> aluminium. Yeah, whatever. Tomato, tomato. What, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things. In my opinion, I think this was a genuine UFO encounter. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm right there with you. Whether, I mean, we don't have enough evidence to say what it was, like it was an alien or whatever, but yeah, I'm right there yeah. with you. Is for sure these people saw something weird. What it was, I guess, it's just a mystery. And that's that's pretty much what we got. You know, that's that's where we're at with this one. It's completely unsolved, and that's kind of fun. It's a real mystery. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for you guys this week. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to our live audience who is still here. It's you know, we're on the West Coast, so it's very late for most people who are not in California. <laughs> so thanks for sticking with us, guys. All right. And uh, if you want to listen live, just join us on our Discord. Links on the link tree or in the description. It's one of the two. You can find it there. And um, a lot of shows will do, you know, a paywall for their Discord. We do not have that. Everybody and anybody's welcome. Come along and just hang out and have a chat or whatever. Come and say hi. But all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, could we get to keep it strange, Agent Ether? Keep it strange.